0: Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is the first in a series of conversations between Doug Wilson, Jared Longshore, and Joe Rigney, entitled Doug Wilson and Friends. In this episode, they talk about post-mill, theonomy, Baptists, and the Moscow Mojo. Be sure to check out Doug Wilson and Friends every Wednesday in November at 7.30 Eastern on the Canon Press YouTube channel. Welcome to Doug Wilson and Friends. This is Doug Wilson. Yes. And And we're his friends. (laughs) Jared Longshore, I'm Joe Rigney, and here we are, and it is November, that magical time of year, (laughs) filled with uh, falling leaves, pumpkin spice, And, flames, November, no, and flamethrowers.
1: November decorations. And November
0: decorations. Here we go. So here in Moscow, it is No Quarter November, uh, which is filled with straight shooting, uh, new content, loads of free books. And if you want to stay up to date on all of that sort of thing, uh, you can go to noquarternovember.com. It's got all the latest giveaways, uh, live shows, content, you name it. And uh, each Wednesday during this month, uh, Doug, Jared, and I, and maybe some friends, uh, will be here talking about all sorts of stuff. And taking your questions. So, if you're uh, tuning in now on YouTube, you can drop a question in the comment box, and uh, our good friend Jake over here will uh, maybe toss that in here for us. And uh, but today's topic is going to be uh, Post Mill, Theonomy, Baptists, and the Moscow Mojo. But before we get there, let's talk about a certain video. Um, first, Doug. Congratulations! You Thank you. you survived I, I another year. It. You made it. <laughs> sketchiest <laughs> one. Sketchiest <Nope. laughs> one of all. Well, actually,
1: no, it wasn't the sketchiest one. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. How did? So first question: How did this one compare to previous? Years? You get so we got uh, couch, truck, yeah, boat, um, office, office, and field, field, and then this. and then now this. Yeah. So um, generally speaking, how did this stack up compared to other? This
1: is. Um, so probably the sketchiest was the office burn last year. Okay, uh, last year um, because the thing it was an art. Of, it was a office built outside uh-huh. with a V, and uh-huh. then the office was there, and the thing turned into a fire fire NATO. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> and I was sitting there; I could feel the it was a little and, dicey. And Nancy was on set, so okay. she was. Uh, probably uh, more concerned about this one than okay than uh, any of the others, and I think rightly so. I could feel the, the heat. I could feel the, I could feel the heat in the truck too, but but that was um,
0: a little the, little gnarlier.
1: The, this was more. You're trusting the engineers, and <laughs> <laughs> you're trusting people to put this thing together. But there's a lot of power in this thing. Okay, so if if you see the size of this tank, yeah, it's um it's diesel, and you mix in whatever yeah uh, uh, mix you have in there. But if you put it in a in a car with good mileage, you could make it a good way into Montana with this
2: <laughs> with, with this. Yeah.
1: But uh it lasts four minutes. <laughs> if, <laughs> so, so you can burn that amount of gas in four or, minutes in four minutes. Okay. Which means there's a lot of energy coming out of that nozzle.
0: Right. It's got it's got CO2 to like pressurize it, shoot it out. There's a torch at the end.
1: So this this is one well, you have to file it in the category of things that were on my bucket list that I didn't know
0: <laughs> that I didn't know were on my bucket list yes. and and but it but it, everything everyone's fine everyone's H- fine how did how did Nancy feel how did where did this rank on her so last year was a little dicey
1: yeah and uh, Nancy was a great she was great she was a trooper she was a trooper <laughs> she was all in but she was having to be a trooper
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, for all of you uh, good news sometime later this month keep your eye out because there may or may not be an opportunity for you yourself to purchase your own no quarter November flamethrower. Uh, snow removal equipment. Snow removal <laughs> equipment. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> don't what use it on your... The What's pre-or- that? pre-order is live. pre-order is live. Pre-order is live. Pre-order pre-order, you can and, go... Yeah, don't use it on the snow on your roof. That's right. And um, handle with care. <laughs> all drive of the, all, of, yeah, all, yeah, all of the things. Disclaimers. All of the things. Insert yeah. disclaimers here.
1: Uh, don't light your cigar with it.
0: OK, so uh, I think as the month goes on, we'll get some more insight on why you burned Instagram, Elsa and Larry the Cucumber. Um, so we'll get some more from you, I think, on on why those particular right. things. OK, so we'll, we'll kick that till later. Um, but the theme, Apocalypse Proof Your Family. Right. Give us a little. Wh- what's that? Why are we doing that? OK, so we are living in a time
1: when everything is disintegrating. A lot of things that people assumed were sort of among the permanent things. Turns out they weren't. So it's it's the same reason that Augustine wrote City of God. So uh, the Visigoths came down and sacked Rome, and a lot of Roman Christians had assumed that Rome, the eternal city, mm-hmm. was actually an etern- eternal yeah, city. They, they bought into it. They, they bought into it, and they thought, well, in, even if you never raise the question expressly to yourself, it's easy to f- assume that that's a fixture. And no Ozymandian empire ever identifies itself as that beforehand. Mm-hmm. right? You, know, you just think that this is a part of the permanent structure of things. Right. And a lot of American Christians bought into that. And then over the last two or three years, a lot of those things that seem so stable have just started to come apart in our hands. Mm-hmm. And good Christian folks are worried about what kind of world their kids are going to grow up in. Mm-hmm. They're worried about how they're... Where are my grandkids going to go to school? Yep. What are my grandkids going to learn? How are they going to make? It? Are they going to make it? Right, you know, and so, and at the same time, a lot of Christian leadership, who the the, the people who seemed to be part of that permanent infrastructure of stability, flaked, um, right. uh, flaked on COVID, flaked on well masks, flaked on the woke stuff. There's they and a lot of people, a lot of Christians found out that they didn't have the christian leadership that they thought they had. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it was like a an apocalypse, mm-hmm. an unveiling of the way things actually are. And and a lot of these christians are disoriented and concerned, some of them maybe shocked, panicked, mm-hmm. you know what are what are we going to do? And what we're trying to do is provide some uh, like a sure word in an unstable time, right? That God's word doesn't change. So yeah. Uh, when everything's falling apart, what what are the permanent things? Well, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Yeah. So God's word is a constant. Uh, and in the middle of this chaotic time, your neighbor is going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Your, your neighbor is among the per- permanent things. Yeah. Your children, your wife, your yeah. husband. So...
0: If so apocalypse for in, the family.
1: Invest invest in the permanent things. Right.
0: Good. So for for this week, uh, free book of the week is Covenant Household. You can get that uh, at noquarternovember.com dot com. Um, and what's that book? What? How does that book fit in? What's co- give me the gist of the covenant? What's the the quick plug for Covenant Household?
1: Okay. The Covenant Household is one of the things we've I over the years I've taught through marriage and family and uh, raising teens and I've, I've yep. pre- preached and taught on those things. And we have books that focus on different parts, you know, whether it's fidelity or future man or whatever. And then uh the covenant household was a series of messages I preached that was sort of wanting to put everything into one spot, bring everything into one sort of uh intro mm-hmm. to the whole thing. And um, and the Ken folks were very kind kind enough to take those talks and turn them into. Prose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly how I speak. because Someday, someday I'm going to learn how to speak in complete sentences. <laughs> but, I, but that day is not yet. Not yet. But, but they fixed that, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And, uh, and then I went over it and edited it for publication. But it, it's sort of a uh, synopsis or... Uh, refresher or a review or a starter kit yeah. of of the whole thing
0: right and i, I appreciate it part of what i appreciate is the structure of the household how's it supposed to work and then it's got chapters on different sins of the household husband sins father sins wife sins mother sins kid sins and just kind of what are the different temptations that everybody's going to face so right. it's really helpful that one's free all week pick it up all right post mill Baptists. We're for it. <laughs> We're in favor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. No. Uh, in, in I don't know, last couple of uh, months, been a number of uh, dust-ups, sometimes online, sometimes offline, over things like eschatology, um, mere Christendom, Christian nationalism, that whole deal. And there's a kind of um, a steady stream of criticisms, we might say, from particular Baptists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baptists seem to kind of get you it. Know, so, so there's been recent, recent things. So um, and, and there's often criticisms coming our way uh, out here um for what what we're all about and so um one of the things I hate more than anything is confusion like I just hate i the few things irk me more than when there's confusion that i that I think I could do something about so if I could just get in there and define and it and just define, and define some, a term yes, that's not it yeah right <laughs> then um i I, I want to do that so hey, let's clear some things up uh first thing um do we as post millennials, we're all post millennials. We, uh, we, you and I, and, and the thing is, we've been post mill far longer than we've been in Moscow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't that wasn't a recent thing. Mine was like probably two thousand eight. Running about a decade. Yeah, plus, decade. Okay. Plus. So, that, so that's not new. Um, here's the criticism: We think that the kingdom comes through the government. True, false. Let's clear it up. Categorically false. Categorically false. Okay. Right. And I'll even go to this was something that
1: Gary North, who is you know, reconstruction, a bad, bad boy, not only a reconstructionist, but a bad boy reconstructionist. Uh-huh. He had a, a saying that I thought was very funny. It was politics fourth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is not a political, this is not a political thing. Okay. All right. Now, because um, the recons back in the eighties would talk about politics, which the banner of truth post mm-hmm. would never do. Right. Okay. Um, well, actually the, the guys that they would reprint, uh-huh. they would talk about politics politics, but they did that back in the 17th century. Right. Yeah. When it was saved <laughs> behind the glass. <laughs> yeah. But the the um the case for post mill optimism it, um in the banner of truth stuff never really answered the next set of questions. What do you do next? You know, it was all evangelism and uh-huh. Great Commission and and yeah. um Revival, you yep. know, so, so as long as you're talking about revival and missions and church planting and everything, people can get on board with post-mill thinking, uh, including Baptists. Right. But is, if the post-millennialism progresses at all, I mean, two mm-hmm. centuries of it, let's say you get your, your revival, let's say people start coming to the Lord in Mass, at some point, you're going to have to figure out what to do with the government. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, but as soon as the government comes in, that's where the Baptists get spooked.
0: Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we don't think, um, uh, it's through this, the state's not the mechanism. Is the state a, a helpful in, in, as we think about the evangelism, what's the role of the state in the sort of carrying on of the great commission? Is there a role for the state? Does where does it fit?
1: <laughs> yeah. The state can be helpful, but they've got to be either converted or won over or influenced first. So okay. they they aren't the uh, agency of gospel. Uh, the gospel has to come to them first. And then they can encourage missionaries or
0: open the doors to, you know, stop banning the import of Bibles. Yeah, right. right? You know, that,
1: that kind of thing. Yeah. So,
0: so there's that supportive role that they can find. And they can uh, pass law good laws that sort of remind people of what sin is so that the preacher's got something to work with. Like there's a role there, yeah. sort of the second use of the law, restraining evil, teaching people what's good, that sort of thing. So to... To take Isaiah's language of
1: the kings being nursing fathers, yeah, which the American Westminster Confession uh, points to yep. in talking about church-state relations, and I we, we might throw this in here just a free November tidbit: if you're a PCA minister and you don't like what we're saying about all this, then you need to, you need to take an exception. With your presbytery <laughs> on, uh, on the Westminster Confession, because the Westminster Confession says that the magistrate is to be a nursing father and to be encouraging to the churches of our common Lord. Right. Right. That is, that's mere Christendom. Yep. The the mere Christendom thing that I'm advocating is flat spang in the middle of the American Westminster Confession, which is tamer uh-huh. than, than the, the, British the British Westminster right. uh, Confession. So if you haven't taken an exception on
2: that point, then you really, for the sake of your conscience, you need to. And You might say at this point, once you affirm that there is a role of the state, like they're doing something there, it doesn't follow that that means we're saying you should put your trust in man, right? Okay, so you're trusting in the Lord, and you're going to see a manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth, which is this is what uh, would differentiate us truly from Jim Hamilton. So Jim Hamilton, Pastor uh, Kenwood Baptist and professor at Southern Seminary, where I went to seminary. He's the one who had objected. They're doing a church-wide um, Bible study on this post-millennialism. That was the first yep. uh, the first of the four uh, Bible studies that were given. Um, there, he, he said, my hope is after Jesus returns. Right. That's where the hope is. Right, And we are saying, no, post-millennialism is saying um, that when Christ came to earth, and he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he meant it right. at hand as it's here right um when he stood there soon to go to the cross he says my kingdom is not of this world he didn't mean that my kingdom has nothing to do with this world and my kingdom will have no impact on this world he didn't mean my kingdom's not going to impact the the kings of the earth right no all all of that but my kingdom doesn't operate like the kingdoms of this world uh, operate that's what he meant um so one you're not having to trust in we're not saying trust in earthly kings but we are saying you should anticipate this kind of impact of the kingdom and if you if you're not post-mill if you're a mill and you're kind of rooting that uh, millennial reign of christ say up in the heavens yep then that's going to orient you in a different way to civil authority to society and if you're historic pre-mill and you're putting that millennium after the return of the lord jesus christ that's also going to have, have a different orientation right. so uh, I want to grant. Uh, postmillennialism does have a certain view of the way the kingdom of God is going to impact society and the civil magistrate, and that, that's genuinely different than other takes. Right, and at the same time, you don't. You could. Um, you could think, oh yeah, we like that ideal. Boy,
0: wouldn't it be great if. Um, the the state acknowledged the lordship of jesus and sought to then be restrained and limited and and do its role and leave everything else to the what the church and the family should do you could say wouldn't it be great and then still be a pre-mill who's super pessimistic about it and doesn't think it'll ever happen um but at least you know what you're aiming at even if you don't think you'll get there and so what postmill does is say that's what we should aim at and we have promises from god that say We'll get it. It, it will yeah. get, it. get it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But live like it. So like it. Hope
2: for it. Pray for it. Um, your kingdom, your kingdom come. Right. And this was signified in the in the um, in the wonderful art from Canon Press and the in the flamethrower. Um, I really, I I thought I appreciated that this one you said it was situated with family. Okay, because I think the charge comes. What? Why is why is this Pastor Wilson out there always burning things in November? Is he just an old mm-hmm. guy that needs to let off some steam? Is that right. what's going on? <laughs> And that uh, might be true, also. <laughs> Both, multiple things <basic laughs> are <is> not mutually <laughs> exclusive. You can uh, maintain two things at one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's clear. No, we're actually defending against real threats that are coming against the Christian faith and the kingdom of God and our people and our families. Okay, right. that's very, it's a very um, incarnated take of the Christian faith. And when that thing comes meandering along, we plan to say something about it. We plan to do something about it. And it's not this retreatism kind of into ourselves. It's actually looking around kind of Sons of Issachar status. All of that is, that's the fruit of post-millennialism. And I think that's what's so attractive. You know, people talk about the Moscow mojo. Well, this is tied into a certain view of the kingdom of God and its manifestation. On earth and thus how we do apologetics um
1: to tag on to that that reminds me of, of the great chestertonian line of a man should fight because he loves what's behind him not that he hates what's in front of him or yep. the the it's not like uh, there's a certain kind of man that wants to fight and kill and wolves will do mm-hmm. um it's it's got to be a love of the sheep yep the hireling does not love the sheep the shepherd loves the sheep and we live in a fallen world and there are threats to the sheep. And uh, a shepherd who doesn't fight is an unloving shepherd, right? right. Or a glassy-eyed, um, uh, checked out shepherd. You know, he, he thinks, well, I don't need to fight because there are no
0: threats. Right, But or or I think on the eschatology thing, part of the way it impacts is, if you think it's um, either gonna be steady state, just up and down, you know, lots of suffering, um, and that's all, No no advance, no pr- penetration of the gospel into every sphere, um, there's a way that which you can kind of say, well, I, don't, it, I don't need to think about how to build that or what principles might go into building that. I don't need to lay a foundation for that because it's never going to happen. Right. So there's a way of which, because it's never going to happen, why are we even wasting our time? There's more important things to do as opposed to a sense which says, hey, um, if God was gracious, if it were to happen, would we be ready? Yeah. If you if you
1: got the plane tickets, then at some point you have to think about what's going to go in the suitcase.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you might say this is where post millennialism is very helpful to the black pill guys because yeah. you, you have you have the you have the um, you have the escapist right you have escapist <laughs> Christianity that says we'll just kind of hang tight until Jesus comes, but you certainly have this um, the hard right that says yeah well, we're going to fight like we're ready to go and, yeah. and they're going to take the black pill. I remember Doug you said somewhere I think at a Grace Agenda once. You gave three different ways that a guy could be faithful at the Alamo. Remember that story? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> he said the first is he kind of he walks out there and he looks at his people and he he goes out there and he knows he's going down and he says, um, "We have considered all of our options and we've decided that we are going to fight you." You know that's faithfulness. <laughs> the second one goes out there and he's he's like, "We're going to fight you to the death, buddy." You know. Uh, mm-hmm. You said the third option is the one I commend to you is where you walk out and you say. I don't think so, Skippy. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that. (laughs) that. Uh, That's but that's very post millennial. That is uh, the threats are real. So the guys that are going to black pill, the threats are real. I'm glad that you recognize them. Um, But Jesus truly is Lord. So like this is all by faith, and when it's by faith, it's got um, it's got a lightness to it. You know the yoke is easy and the burden is light, and thus rather you could get up and do a tirade. On the dangers of Elsa in Frozen. Let me tell you 17 reasons that Elsa's Frozen is an abomination and is like Disney to the, is demonic. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely demons. And the Nephilim are still involved in Disney. I know it. Um, or you could just go out there and, like, you know, melt, <laughs> melt down Elsa with a flamethrower. Right. And of course, it's signaling this kind of. Hey, Jesus is going to take care of this. Yeah, thing. we got it. So uh,
0: there are differences, obviously, Eschatologies. how do you interpret Matthew 24, and there's all sorts of stuff exegetically that matters. But um, here, here we want to say, um, it's a false dichotomy to say, we want the Great Commission to happen through the state, not the church. Instead, it's through evangelism, through discipleship, um, you get discipled, then your family gets discipled, then your church is part of that discipleship. Uh, your vocation, hopefully you have some Christian businesses, and eventually it works its way out right. to the state and it, it encompasses everything. So the state is not the means of discipleship exactly, right. but it's one of the objects of it. Yeah, it's one it's of the things that needs to get discipled. It gets invited to the party at some point. That's right. Okay. Uh, second big question. Second big question. Um, do This is just moving into the theonomy stuff. Do you want to flog and or fine the Baptists? Well, are they?
2: <laughs> Can I say and or?
1: people people are saying they think it's funny. <laughs> but, um basically the question would be are they good baptists? Or- <laughs> <laughs> not 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 40 times. No. So um the, the answer is absolutely not. Um and and I this this is one of the uh, it can be an exasperating feature of these sorts of debates because you know what it's like to be in a conversation or a debate and somebody comes up 35 minutes into the discussion yeah. and thinks he's been there the whole time right? and and takes off on something. Well, Twitter is like that and right. Facebook is like that.
0: Never-ending conversation and everybody's <laughs> yeah. leaving and coming Leave and going. Coming and going yeah. And, yeah.
1: yeah. And in mere Christendom, I have an argument that I lay out for uh, why... Uh, blasphemy. Why? Why Christians should be nervous about blasphemy codes, right. and uh, and at the same time we have to recognize if we are uh, have uh, theonomic seriousness that the Bible does um, have an example in Leviticus of a man who cursed Jehovah and was executed for blasphemy. That's in the text. And mm-hmm. so, what are we going to do with it? Um, but all through Scripture, the big the biggest blasphemers are. People like Nebuchadnezzar, right. people like Herod. C- Caesar and Herod and um, and and Christians ought to remember, must remember, that the Lord Jesus was executed on a blasphemy charge. So if if no one should have to persuade Christians that blasphemy charges can go awry.
0: <laughs> These can be <laughs> abused. Handle with B- care.
1: Because the the cornerstone of our faith oh. is a blasphemy charge going awry. Right. So um, we we I think we must uh, approach the whole subject gingerly, prepared to restrain the biggest blasphemers first. And when you give the magistrate the authority to whack blasphemers, mm-hmm. at the same moment, you're giving them the authority to define blasphemy right. and to commit blasphemy. So uh, Jesus was executed for blasphemy, but the actual blasphemy was done by Caiaphas, who right. Who had the truth standing in front of him mm-hmm. and called called it a lie. Mm-hmm. So that's the scriptural argument. But then there's the, uh, just a structural argument. Uh, when if I'm talking to a Baptist, too, because of Baptist history, um, yeah. where Baptists have been mistreated, um, and I would say, don't be too precious, because everybody's been mistreated. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, Competitive victimhood is a bad. That, yeah, it's just, yeah.
1: Uh, let's not, not go there. But I think it's understandable. Hey, uh, this, this uh, hero of mine of Baptist theology spent X number of years in prison for his right. convictions. And, and I'd say, so let's just stop right there. When, when Christians persecute Baptists, when professing Christians persecute professing Christians who are Baptists for that reason, and Jesus is looking down from heaven on that, does Jesus approve of that or disapprove of that? Mm-hmm. And this is just very simple. Well, we should all say, and I would agree, Jesus disapproves of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if Jesus disapproves of it, and if we should repent and modify our behavior to conform to what Jesus wants,
0: yeah. welcome to Christian nationalism. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's what we're arguing for. Right. So the consistent Baptist position would be something like... Um, The state should, I I think this is the option that's open to Baptists on this question, which is the state should acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. It should Mm -hmm. acknowledge the living God and then say, and we want to give a wide latitude on religious opinions um, because that's not the right mechanism to deal with this. But we're going to, we're going to restrain all of that thing in the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to restrain the state's ability to interfere on some of this stuff. There, there, There would be a way, I think Baptists could, could do that. What's odd is how many of them don't want to. Right. Right.
1: And they don't want. They don't want to acknowledge that. That's what I'm arguing for.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Not only do they need to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ, but then they need to acknowledge His Word and realize that this is not. This is not some crazy theonomy kind of thing, right? Yeah. So very often, right now, you'll have like the theonomist versus the Thomists. Yeah. They'll start to do their thing: natural law versus Bible law, yeah. and all of that. And it's striking to me. You can open up the Summa, and you can go to augustine's portion on law and it's crystal clear that he says human law also yeah. societies make um have to be um governed in, co- grounded, in accord with in natural. accord with the revealed law the both the, the divine law yeah. bible law and natural law he yeah. says both of these things yeah. so it's not like aquinas is saying that you should just go and uh, make up whatever laws you want you right. can end up persecuting baptists he's saying no you have to ground what you're doing in the bible yeah, Ground what you're doing with does Jesus approve of this? How are you going to answer the question of whether Jesus approves of this or not? Well, you're going to pay attention to the Bible to right. what He's actually said, and um, to claim that means you're going to be some wild theonomist. Like mm-hmm. you know, is not that's not where um, the church has been throughout history. It's not even where a guy like Thomas Aquinas was. So I, it's a and then you Romans 13. I tell um, students at NSA regularly. I I said I thank God for COVID. And you should thank the Lord. You should just thank the Lord every day, every <laughs> yeah. night you go to sleep. Thank you, Lord, for COVID, because you know it helped every single evangelical begin to pay attention to Romans thirteen. Right, that was the thing. What Romans does it thirteen, mean? Romans what does thirteen. Yep. And uh, they, of course, were referencing it to say that you should just do whatever the government says. But as you look at the text, it's very clear that the civil authority is a minister of God. God and should know it. And I say, uh, if he if he's a servant of God, are servants supposed to obey, obey their masters? Right. Everybody's right. like. Why? Yes, I think they, <laughs> they, they, they should. That would be I good. think that's a part of it. And has the has the master said anything to them about what they're supposed to do in their office? And the answer is, well, yes, he has.
0: So, uh, so here's here's a quote. I just want to let's let's make sure we just double click, clear it up. Um, in Empires of Dirt, um, which was sort of a precursor to Mere Christendom, the more yeah. recent book um, you wrote, um, I am wishing for a civilization where my critics would say a Baptist might be fined for failing to understand the covenant with Abraham right now the, p- part of what's been confusing here is people have said right and they they think you mean right that's correct i want to find baptists right as opposed to right i'm wishing for a civilization where that abuse is possible yeah. correct i was saying right i
1: take your point it's yes like uh, you someone says something and i say okay right however comma right, right? and in the if you look it up in empires of dirt right after that right I go on to explain how Bapt- Baptists are mis- being mistreated now, yeah, along and, with everybody else, along with everybody else, and I s- conclude that section by saying I think it's high time we laid off the Baptists, right? So it is simply not true to say that um, this uh, Christian nationalism wants to persecute Baptists. And Doug Wilson said, "Right, right. I check. Yeah, no, that's simply right. upside down, right. upside down,
0: and backwards." Right. Because you're, you're, so abuses may happen, abuses might happen. The question is, what's the best mechanism for ensuring that abuses can get dealt with? If you're if you're worried about the government disobeying God, one of the first things you want to do is get them to acknowledge him yeah. so that they don't become him. They don't try to usurp his place. They ought to acknowledge him because then there's a standard everybody can appeal to. You're not doing what God says. Yeah, you're uh, not conforming to what God says. This is the illustration I, I use all the time, but it never gets old because it
1: always applies. <laughs> Um, The very best way to avoid math problems is to never take a math class. (laughs) (laughs) If you never take a math class, you will never get a math problem wrong. Uh If you never sign up for Spanish, you'll never get a Spanish exercise wrong. If you never uh, seek what wise biblical governance looks like, you will never get it wrong. In fact, why don't you just take your talent and go bury it in a napkin? Mm -hmm. Because our Lord is a harsh master and and he'll be pleased when i come back with the one talent. Mm-hmm. well he says no you wicked sir- you yeah, wicked servant. servant you yeah. you can't do that. we don't have the option of checking out. right um the 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 world is upon us. right. um if that will say you may not be interested in war but war is interested in you. you may not be interested in politics but politics is interested in you. you may not be interested in the government but the government is interested in you. and christians uh, the first John ends with little children keep yourself from idols. Mm-hmm. Well, the preeminent idol today is the state. Mm-hmm. That's the preeminent idol. And w- Christians need to do a lot better job of resisting that idol. Mm-hmm. And, and when we resist it, some Christians oppose that because they think, I want to make the idol bigger. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm climbing up the pedestal with yeah. Tackle a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to pull this idol down, uh-huh. and they're saying you're the only reason you have for getting up there is you want to make the idol bigger, yeah. And you want to give the idol power to right. punish Baptists.
0: Yeah. You know? uh, c- quick one: um, Does mere Christendom mean you're in favor of an established state church? So tax-supported for the church, privileges for that church. Is that something? Uh, two two ways to put it. Is that permissible under a could could a, could a nation do that if they wanted? And do you think that would be a good yeah. thing? A, it's permissible, Okay. Um, and
1: in some circumstances it might be okay. Yeah, but wise. I, uh, but I would be generally opposed. Okay, so um, because I, abuses might happen because because and and over the years many have. So it seems like abuses are being invited when mm-hmm. you do that. And uh, if I were um, in charge of a denomination, mm-hmm. I'd be opposed to being made the official. Denomination of the state because I think that would be the kiss of death for the spiritual vibrancy of okay. that of that church. So I'm opposed to it, but I don't think it should be written off as unlawful or you can't ever yeah. do that. When the when the First Amendment of the uh, Constitution was adopted, um, in fact, on the same day mm-hmm. the Constitu- the First Amendment was adopted by the um, ratified by the. Uh, Convention. They were taking the vote while yeah. well, the states, states that ratified okay. it, and then they were confirming it. The same day, they they called for a National Day of Prayer. Mm-hmm. For, um, right. And when, they, when the First Amendment was adopted, nine of the 13 colonies had some sort of formal relationship with a denomination. And if I were in Virginia or if I were in Massachusetts or Connecticut, I would want to, the state denomination to not be the congregational mm-hmm. because i don't think that's the wisest way to arrange affairs right. but it's not, but i would say i'm against it but it's not unconstitutional right yeah be, because when the constitution was adopted most of the states were doing it
0: right yeah so so in some ways you would be at you'd be in favor of disestablishment at the time correct but not not on the grounds that this is fundamentally um unlawful or uh, un, or, 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 or create or evil um but just this isn't the best way to do it yeah i don't think it'd be prudent yeah good. so don't think it'd be prudent okay um what uh so when when we say uh you've described yourself general equity theonomist um maybe just quickly clear just quick nugget there on general equity because i I think people go one of the criticisms is you can't do that you're combining you know theonomist means you want to apply moses's laws all the way down right today um and you're trying to kind of fudge by saying general so when you say general equity what are you referring to so
1: I'm not trying to fudge. What I'm trying to do is negotiate with my interlocutors in, in good faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So everybody's got a point. Uh-huh. Uh, we've we've all got various perspectives, and I'm, good-hearted Christians all have concerns and their perspective and stuff. And I learned a lot from the theonomists, the the pure bread, the thoroughbred theonomists, R- Rustuni type, Rustuni and North, North and those, those guys. guys. I learned a lot from them. Uh-huh. Um, but there's there was a certain element of it, the doctrinaire cookie cutter thing that made me nervous. Mm-hmm. But I still learned a lot. The prince And I learned the fundamental thing I learned was from Rush Duny's Not Whether But Which. Right. It, that Unavoidable is- question. Unavoidable question. And I'd say, okay, I can like or dislike the reconstructionist, but I still have to deal with not whether but which. Yeah. I, I, all right, so um, it's not whether you have an imposed morality, it's which morality you will impose. Right. So um, the, I learned this stuff and I take some of the criticisms on board mm-hmm. and say, okay, how can we, as the Bible says, strive for like-mindedness, Yep. okay? Um, some of the Westminsterian critics uh, who said, no, 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 the theonomist, the Westminster Confession rejects theonomy. Well, in the Westminster Confession, when it breaks down, the it uses the standard breakdown of the law, the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the judicial law. The moral law, all all Reformed agree is still applicable, still,
0: still a- applicable, still extant. The so the moral law still and and not and and applies not just to Christians but to everybody. It, everybody, it's, it both it, it says explicitly not just the justified but all men are obligated to obey the moral law, which includes both tables of the law, both tables, both of the law. tables of the right. Ten Commandments is a summary of that. Okay, correct.
1: So everybody agrees or should agree, right? With, that. with unless they take an exception, <laughs> that they should agree. The moral law is still binding yep. in the new covenant. The ceremonial law, we all agree on. Uh, We don't sacrifice bulls and goats because they pointed toward Christ, and Christ has come. He's the once for all sacrifice. So, uh, we agree that the ceremonial law has not been erased, but rather fulfilled. Right. And so, check on the ceremonial law. And then the bear is the judicial law. The judicial law is the case law system. That was given to Israel, mm-hmm. and Israel had to function under. And the Westminster Confession says that the judicial law no longer applies. Mm-hmm. Um, the the state of Israel th- that ne- that political state being now ceased. Yep, yeah. that judicial law ceased along with the nation that it applied to. Right, except as the general equity thereof may require. Right. Okay. Now the general. So what that tells me is the Westminster Confession gives me permission to look, go to the judicial law and reason theonomically from it. Right. Okay. All I have to do is show that there's a general equity argument here. Um, If it was something to do with the territorial division of the land, like which which part does Naftali get? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's not going to be a general equity argument. Right. But if it says you need to have a balustrade around the roof of your house and... We don't apply that because nobody goes up there to cool off in the evenings. Yep. But let's say a judge in my ideal biblical republic uh, found against uh, uh, someone who didn't have a second-story deck railing, uh-huh. and someone fell off of it and broke their arm, um, and the judge cited the De- requirement of the balustrade. Yeah. I would say that's an application of right. the general equity of the law, which means that the ju- judicial law is not God's law emeritus. Yeah. It's not God's law gone away. The principles of justice that it I- embodied are as much principles
0: of justice today. And those and, principles, that's that's the moral law. So, so those judicial laws were grounded in that moral law, that natural law, and you can find that moral natural law principle there. And so that's still binding, even if the particular isn't directly binding. Correct.
1: And the, the word equity d- d- uh, derives its punch.
2: From the moral law, right, exactly, all of that's terribly reasonable to people that would uh, just step back and think about these things kind of without all of the yelling with all of the yelling the um I think it's Junius, old reformer that said um, that basically spoke glowingly about the mosaic judicial code in the sense that this is the only civil code. Yep. that god himself has ever written yeah okay mm-hmm. so take all let's take all you know think well we really like how the romans did it or how the greeks did it you know? yeah well like this one was pinned by god yeah mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to pay attention to it like wouldn't you know wouldn't you want your judges to be like i'm going to check that one out yeah i, I, it, I bet, I I bet see it, see. it was pretty good isn't, it isn't
1: there anything to learn there <laughs> yeah.
2: um
0: well i, I think the, the nice thing about the part of why i went here was this is a place where i think baptists and presbyterians can be friends because the 1689 London Confession and the Westminster Confession, on this point, the applicability of the Mosaic Law, the general equity of the law of, of moral use, is identical mm-hmm. in those two confessions. So this is a place where Baptists and Presbyterians shouldn't fight. Okay, last, last question on this, on this subject, and then maybe we'll have some time for these. But it's a, but it's a bigger question, so who knows. Um, what's underneath this? Why, what, th- th- it seems like th- these sort of controversies pop up. Um, what's underneath the um some of these these debates that can feel like they get pretty intense among guys that you might think otherwise might be friends so um we want to be we're our our approach out here is the Narnian approach we want to be friends with anyone who's friendly and we don't give a fig for anyone who isn't um so we want to be friends but then other people seem to say we don't want to be friends what's going on there what's underneath some of the heat some of I'll just suggest two things and then
1: maybe You guys can chime in on this. Some of it is simply PR. Um, It's the that person, that particular person, who's distancing himself might not have a dog in the fight and might not be all that agitated about about things, but would catch unshirted hell if they were friendly to Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people in his circle Mm -hmm. who would um, be very upset, Mm -hmm. and so we've we we have sort of direct knowledge of what kind of pressure is applied to people who start to be friendly to us or mm-hmm. who accept a speaking invitation or who yeah. you know um so we we know that there are there are pressures that people have to navigate. So that's one one reason. Another reason I think has to do with eschatology and the and the eschat the, the fact that we're post mill and the fact that many of the our natural allies out there are not necessarily you can be anti-woke and not Mm post-mill you can be good on covid and you didn't shut your church down john macarthur is not post-mill but he he was he stood tall during covid um you so you could be not on the same page with us eschatologically and yet be natural allies on things like the lockdowns covid masking um Right uh private school not to mention
0: biblical authority and a whole host of other sort of right. common yeah. theological commonalities. yeah right um yeah so so um
1: the post millennialism means that we think we're actually going to get to the point, whether it's us, our great grandchildren, or their great grandchildren, we believe that our people are going to at some day have to answer these questions about. Church-state relations—we're—we're mm-hmm. we're going to have to address it, and the the uh, mill position or some premill positions—they—they they don't have a teleology that allows for that. Mm-hmm. that. There's just nothing in the budget for that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they don't like being dragged that direction,
0: right? Because it feels to them like a distraction. You're taking us off of what we what we think we should be doing, right? And trying to get us to do something over here that we don't want to do. So I would say that the
1: the hidden driver of some of this angst is the eschatology. Okay, and and also explains why when you encounter a post mill a post mill Baptist, uh-huh. uh, there's much more a much greater likelihood of us getting along.
0: Right. Right. Or or, ha- or the the debate is a different kind of debate. It's it's the sort of debate that you would expect. People yeah, the, who think that you might have to face this question. Well, I think we, it should look like this. Well, I don't think it should look like that. It should look like yeah, that. James White and I get along great. Yeah. And we had,
1: we can have all kinds of fun conversations about this sort of
0: right. thing. Um,
1: but James White and other representatives of Christian nationalism, not so much.
2: Right. Okay. Your question is a big one. Then there's like a world down there. I think I would underscore exactly what Doug said. Some of it's just uh, PR and your position on the battlefield. And then post-millennialism is a key ingredient to what's going on with um say the uh the moscow mojo and then some of the some of the tensions sometimes called an embargo you can get in a lot of trouble for reading a book by doug wilson right you know depending on on uh, where you're at so on on the political front i just add this is common and this is just kind of being wise and looking at the world around you i remember back when i was at founders back in southwest florida we would. Um, we'd write an article dealing with some problem. We'd find some idol, address it. Um, a guy at a seminary, you know, mm-hmm. would retweet it, mm-hmm. and you could have Russell Moore in Nashville, mm-hmm. Tennessee, at the ERLC pick up the phone, call that seminary president, and say, "Hey, this." Seminary guy. president calls the dean. Yeah. Dean walks down there and says, "Hey, take it down, buddy." Yeah. Right. Um, I recently posted. Um, an article and a young guy at Southern said, you guys are so cheerful and so kind. And I'm just getting so tired of these guys that won't even like deal with the arguments, but just say bad, bad, bad. Yeah. And I was like, I almost wanted to write it and be like, if you want any future, <laughs> yeah. you're going to want to take that down. All right. Yeah. Cause somebody's going to come put his arm around you and say these things. My, so my point to all of that is that's a reality. And it's not one that we're bent out of shape about. Right. I tell these guys all the time, like you have a position on the battlefield. And you shouldn't feel any obligation to be like a public card carrying uh, Moscow fan. If you, you can, the texts and we like what you're doing. And this is, I've got this particular battle that I'm fighting. That is, that's just wisdom. Um, Now there can be compromise and I'm not, we can talk about when you're compromised and when you're not, but generally speaking, I think we have a big, big playing field. I would add this. So the second ingredient, the post-millennialism, I do think there is a, I think post millennialism is one of the things, but even underneath that, a little bit deeper, is this idea of covenant. So Doug's book on covenant household—it's fitting that that's dropped on the first, the first day, because there is a view of the covenant. If you go back in the literature between the credo and pedo uh, perspectives, and American being such a largely Baptistic place, there is different worldviews operating there uh, on several different measures. So the gospel of Jesus Christ we have in common. There's all sorts of stuff we have in common, but I want to talk about the that. A certain view of the relationship of heaven and earth, a certain understanding of the individual and the corporate, right. uh, a certain understanding of the kingdom of God. Of course, right? The Westminster Confession of Faith says that the kingdom of God is the visible church. And going all the way back to the early to the 17, early seventeenth century, um, those who there were those who denied the existence of the visible church, right? Right, and so this blocky entity that right. that now exists. There is a certain. There's a certain understanding of that doctrine of the covenant and what it is related to your ecclesiology and your view of the church, related to your apologetics, that um you could hold all of that, hold to all of that and maybe not, you know, go like flamethrow, yeah. go flamethrow an Instagram. Like somebody's gonna say, Isn't this just about flamethrowing an Instagram? And that's not my jam. Um Okay, but no, really, There, think deeply about this. There's a view of your home and your children. There's a view of worship, what's going on in worship. All of that kind of arising out of, of a, view, a particular view of the covenant that I think is informing at large the differences. I highlighted this in my response to Jim Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I said, Jim is actually pointing to key differences. Yeah. I think this is related to why people missed on COVID. If you don't believe in the earthly manifestation of the kingdom of God, if you don't believe in like visible church, okay, if you, if if, if, if let's go sacraments, if the sacraments are just merely remembering Christ and there's not some real participation, can't we get away with not having them? Right. Can not we get away with passing? Can't you worship God in your homes and we'll be spiritually together? Right. Though physically not together. I think that was a, an Achilles heel and it's related to the covenant of why why very, very good Bible-believing conservative people in America missed on COVID. Mm-hmm. They yeah. whiffed on COVID because of a deeper understanding. So post millennialism is I see it as, a, as a fruit of the covenant. Uh, and I'm not saying you have to join our particular view of the covenant. You can be post-mill and, and not mm-hmm. not a, not a particular view of the covenant, but I think we actually need to recover that particular doctrine to to see things flourish around here.
1: Like throw one other thing into this mix. All I amen all of that. Um i think that i think that i would describe a lot of the skirmishing um positioning turf wars Mm -hmm. is what it boils down to as a battle for the second year seminarians Mm -hmm. all right so um they're they're they've survived a year or two Mm -hmm. two of seminary they're starting to ask the big questions they're starting to see holes in some of their professors responses Mm -hmm. that and there's and they have computers mm-hmm. and they're reading stuff online, and they read this and they and they say to the- prof, that's yeah. not what they're that's not what they're saying yeah and you you taught me last year not to read things that that way right and 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 then there's the second tier the second and third tier um men in major uh ministries mm-hmm. that read mm-hmm. our stuff under the covers with a flashlight mm-hmm. and and we know about them because mm-hmm. they
0: talk to us and encourage us s- oh, yeah, so. send
1: send us suggestions for maybe you want to blog on,
0: blog on this or maybe uh you know the, the- are you are you i mean are you talking about any i mean is there anybody in particular who ever did something like that that might be sitting on this couch right now like um you're right yeah so i mean like that there there's, was lots of that there's and but but basically there was a
1: and quite a number not you but just within the last few months i met a number of people mm-hmm. yeah. who were very much in that uh, position, yeah, and I think the men at the top have a sense of or an awareness of that they're losing some of their lieutenants, mm-hmm. and they're losing some of their best lieutenants, and they're losing, starting to lose some of their most promising second-year seminarians, mm-hmm. and that is uh, when that panic hits or that yep. concern hits, it starts to result in bad decisions, right, and. It just compounds.
0: Yeah, so two things there. Um, one is, I think for those guys, if you're out there and you're sort of the, in the Moscow curious camp and you're, you're that second year seminarian or those sort of guys, um, it is good for, to be aware of how the dynamics work. So just like this is the, this is the, the, the way that that sort of pressure often operates is um, it's a pressure from over there that kind of gets sort of filtered through a couple of other people until it lands at your doorstep. So Christian A is concerned because you tweeted something. And then he tells Christian B and Christian B tells Christian C and Christian C is your friend or your pastor or somebody there. And that's where the pressure is going to be. And the pressure is going to be not, um, is going to be for you to stop standing next to Christian D or stop reading Christian D or stop, which we're Christian D. Or be Uh, more careful. Be more careful. Um, Don't you think, have you thought about how people are going to think about this? And it's going to be a real subtle pressure placed on you to kind of put some distance an association game and it's about um you're too close you're too associated and i i think um having having lived having had experienced that um having thought a lot about this um it's a major trap it's a major trap to um conform in that way instead the issue ought to be what's true Right. So if the debate's about what does the Bible say and what's true and what's false, then bring it. Open Bible. Let's let's have the discussion. Proverbs 23, 23.
1: Buy the truth and do not sell it.
0: Right. But but when it comes to standing too close to certain people, um, that's it's a really dangerous habit to get into to try to um, maneuver in that way. And so I'd say resist it. Continue to try to make the issue the issue. Have the debates, have the discussion. And I would say to the to the leaders. If there's guys out there that you're trying to put the pressures on, know that you're not um, your your credibility, your sort of ethos, in, in terms of the classical rhetoric, is you know ethos, pathos, logos. So your credibility, um, your emotions, um, and your intensity, and then logic. Um, your credibility and your pathos will not compensate for the absence of good reasons. It can't. Eventually, that will run out. You can you can escalate, you can put pressure, but at some point, it will run out. You've got to win the argument, which means you have to be willing to have it. And so, do the work, do the reading, represent fairly, and you'll actually earn the credibility
2: that you're otherwise going to burn. I would add the um, so buy the truth and don't sell it. And um, particularly when people say, "Well, you're just following a man," so like that can be played in all directions, right? So. Uh, there's been talk about the Moscow Mojo, and you're kind of drifting into these doctrines because of a certain ethos and all right. of that. And I say, well, that's in every direction. Right. Okay? Yeah. So you need to go to the truth. You need to go to the Word. And when you do, you're going to find that God tells you things that are true that are going to cost you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be easy to hold on to. They're not going to be easy to follow through with. right? So it was truth when God said, Abraham, go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like... Could you sketch me what it'll be like, like when <laughs> no. I get there? <laughs> no, could, could, no. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. You live by faith, uh-huh. right? You live by faith. What I, what have I said? Look at what I said. And this is a moment where we need men with courage, women with courage, families with courage. Right, right. The 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 blessing that is going on here in Moscow, and there's other pockets that, uh, as was indicated in the in the video, you've been after it for a long time here. But that's like hard fought. It really is. You know, you're going to have to get up and go fight some. It's not automatic. It, it's going to be relationally damaging. There's going to be things that you have to actually go. If this is the truth, I don't have an option not to follow it. I've really got to. And if it. I could underline the first thing you said there,
1: and that is everybody's dealing with
2: this. This is it. We're all
1: playing poker. So everybody's playing with cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that means if, if people say, oh, you're following Moscow or you're moving to Moscow or you bought that book you're just following that wilson guy you're just right. you're just following a man well everybody every institution every ministry that makes that argument has an executive director right has a board marketing has, department has a has a president has yeah. a uh, i i've not ever seen that accusation coming from a leaderless organization <laughs> everybody this is where and of course when you have strong leadership you have to have firewalls built in to keep that leadership from overflowing its banks, Mm -hmm. right? You you know, Diotrephes, who loves to be preeminent, that's a problem in the church. Not just, is not just in the state, not just in the family, Mm -hmm. but you wanna have sober government because it's not a made up concern to have, you know, a leader who's influencing people. That can go wrong. It can go wrong absolutely everywhere.
0: Right, and and I think maybe last thing on this, maybe if we, we have time for a question or two, all right, um, is uh, we, there's you know is the, the open invitation on this sort of stuff from us to have have folks come here um, and for us to go there. So if uh, if it would be easier to go someplace else, neutral sites, we're all about it. Um, cameras, if, no cameras. Cameras, no cameras. All of that sort of stuff is we think these things matter. We think they matter. We think these are important questions. We think these are the, the Bible matters. Jesus matters. Um, the authority of your family matters. All of this matters, and we we want to help. We want to enable. And, and if even if the help is just bringing clarity about where the differences are, we're we're ready, willing, and able. And we want to be friends with as many people as we can. We don't. So it, one of the things that was a little has been a little puzzling is when Jared and I um, moved here to be thought of as defecting from something, as opposed to simply being redeployed in the same thing that we were already doing right we were we're laboring faithfully now we're just laboring in a different part of the wall but we're all still part of the same team and Defending and the same city. Descending same city and uh and want to bless all of the people other places who are doing who are doing the good work and just to give credit where credit's due i think i saw this on online you know while the presbyterians are writing you know academic books about christian nationalism the baptist just done went and snuck in a guy two heartbeats away from the president right the christian prince <laughs> is like there, there these guys are talking Dude, about B C uh, is,
2: is in the white house exactly yeah. like you these guys do are like it. like no
0: christian prince and then it's like they snuck him in while we were distracted <laughs> by these twitter debates i just thought how unfair is that like, right so d's not words for that's, d's, that's that's right yeah. that's right it's like the what's the, the the um the guy the uh jesus story about the son who said i'm going but doesn't go yeah, and yeah. then the son who said i'm not going yeah. and then went <laughs> and it's like they're the baptist yeah, there they go uh so any any quick questions jake anything looking good that we want to hit here No, we should end. We should end. All right. Well, with that, I want to give one quick plug for the Moscow Mojo bundle. You can find this um, uh, at Canon. So this is uh, Heaven Misplaced, which is on Post Mill, Uh, Empires of Dirt, which we mentioned uh, on Mere Christendom and Islam and that sort of thing, and Serrated Edge. It's a little package um, that will kind of get you a sense of what Moscow is all about. Until next week, love Jesus, love your family, love your neighbors, build and fight and hoist the colors high. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more Doug Wilson & Friends every Wednesday in November at 7.30 Eastern on
2: the Canon Press YouTube channel.